Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. And ready to go. Hot Mike with Hutton with Row underway from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Tuesday edition underway across YouTube. You can search out Outkick there. Subscribe to the channel. Join Chad in the chat and much more. Outkick.com and on this great Outkick partner, uh, the radio station you, you may be listening to currently. Chad, uh, always uh, a big show. Fast-paced show. And it kicks off uh, with Michael McHenry coming up in 20 minutes. A lot to discuss across Major League Baseball, including the Pirates bus driver uh, in, in route to from Chicago to Milwaukee, pulled over, uh, decided for DUI. Uh, we'll get McHenry's take on that as a, a broadcaster for the club. The Gun Show. Mike Gunzelman will join us in studio here in Music City. Looking forward to that in hour number two. Chris Marlowe is the play-by-play voice of the Denver Nuggets, the world champions. He's back on the show a, a bit later. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Hudden. Ready for another big show. Yeah, and, uh, you know, John Morant's back in the headlines. Yes, he uh, is. According to Tim McMahon at ESPN. He's very much the victim here. He the is. John uh, Morant playing the victim card. He's telling those uh, around him and, and those that will listen that the, he feels like the NBA is out to get him and, and people uh, that associate with him. This is, and including the media, out to get him as well. Uh, this following the 25-game suspension, uh, where for a second time he's seen uh, flaunting a, a, a weapon, a handgun, uh, on Instagram Live. John Morant, if, if this report is accurate, and I have no reason not to believe that based on the, the trend that Morant has been on here, uh, the only person out to get John Morant is John Morant uh, at this point. The NBA certainly is not out to get him. Uh, they are out to send a message to him, and they did so in a different way this go-around than the eight-game suspension. If the NBA was out to get him, they would have followed what I would have done, which is suspend him indefinitely until he proves that he is willing to do things the, the right way based on the, the way the NBA and, and its players conduct themselves. That's number one. Number two... They're not out to, to get John Morant, Chad. They're out to save John Morant, out to uh, help him save his career and potentially save his life. The other factor that, that allows me to say that they certainly aren't out to get him and looking for reasons is the fact that practically no one across the league has, they're not pissed off at the suspension length. They, they understand that this is necessary based on the trends that we've seen. The, the way I, I view all of this, they went light on the 25 games, mainly because of the way the rule is written and the fact that they're only citing in the, in the uh, statement from, from Adam Silver, the commissioner, last week, they're only citing the previous gun incident in Denver within this suspension and comparing the two. And certainly you have to take into account 
all of the things that have gone on and that have been reported over the last year plus. But had this taken place again on NBA property, meaning uh, team property, road trip, facility, anywhere else but a, a, in, a, in a vehicle with his friend, I think the penalty is much, much different and, and harsher than what it ended up being. If anything, they went light on the suspension. But as I pointed out on a Fox News rundown this morning, it, it is the suspension starts now for Morant. This is not just 25 games. It's 25 games financially, which is $7.6 million that he's not going to receive on the new deal that goes into effect this upcoming season. But the suspension for which he has to prove that he's getting back into the league by the middle of December starts now because he didn't make it two months since the eight-game suspension before this popped up again. And that's why they punish him now because, yeah, they are keeping an eye on him, just like everyone else. But I don't feel like the, the media or the league itself is out to get John Morant. If anyone is out to get him, it's him and those that associate and insulate themselves with him. And here's hoping he actually gets the message. Based on this comment, certainly not. He's listening to those around him yet again. The comedian Ron White in 2006 had a stand-up special titled, You Can't Fix Stupid. And John Morant, to me, just continues to show himself to be really stupid. Yeah. And I don't know that you can fix stupid. I, I don't know that's a, there's a cure for that overnight. There's not a pill you can take to not be stupid. And John Morant, if in fact this report from ESPN is true about what him and his camp are saying, they're just really, really stupid. It was stupid to get in the problems he's been into before. It was stupid to flash a gun in a strip club on Instagram Live. Then it was really dumb to do it just a few weeks later after you were suspended for eight games. And now he's going to play the victim card and act like it's the NBA's fault and the NBA's out to get him and everyone else is out to get him. The media reporting on these stories is out to get him. The Memphis media has his back. They've defended him for the most part. But this is a John Morant problem, and he just appears to be really, really stupid. And he's got to get smarter. I don't know that there's some magic formula to make that happen, but he's got to make better decisions. And it starts with accepting the fact that he is, in fact, stupid. And if he can acknowledge that point and say, you know what, I've been really stupid, then maybe he can fix things and have a nice long career in the NBA because his talent is unquestioned unquestioned this guy has limitless potential and he is ruining it right now and now he's got a 25 game suspension and some parameters to meet through the league to get things right and get back to playing under a super max contract and making a ton of money and being the superstar that everyone thought he was at the start of his NBA career it's all still in front of him for John Morant nothing is ultimately lost other than the money he's cost himself right now he can fix this. He can remedy these problems. He can make better decisions. And he can go on to a great career. But it starts by not being stupid. Well, and what we don't know is how much he's cost himself with endorsements and other things that have been put on pause, at least to this point. Uh, but look, it, it's but not... I don't know that anyone's fully kicked him to the curb yet, which is good for him. They've put some things on pause, but he's still got a Nike deal. He still has the Powerade deal. They well, just the, they just stopped they never, paying him for the time being. Well, they, the Powerade never actually launched it. Yeah. But Nike's still but selling his shoes. Point being, we've seen other scandals where guys sure. were immediately kicked to the curb completely. Yeah, that, and, and that's, that's fair, too. Uh, 
So I, I don't think anyone's giving up on John Morant. Uh, the other thing, it's now about it's it's it is no longer about words with John Morant. Either with this, with this report that he's saying this behind the scenes, or any statement he's releasing, it's no longer about words. It's about actions. So you know, last week he can release a, a statement that's written by a PR staff, written by him, written by ChatGPT again, whatever it ends up being. And he's talking about I'm going to get better and I'm going to work on my own mental health and decision making. And Tim McMahon is then saying this through ESPN that, well, he's he's actually pointing the finger back at the NBA saying they're out to get him. No, it's now on John Morant and it has been. And the NBA isn't going to sit around and act like he was diagnosed with some terminal illness like they did two, three months ago compared to what is going on now. Uh, and they're not going to fall in line and say oh, it was a it was a fake gun. You know, it was a toy gun. No, it's now about actions. And who he associates himself with, yeah, they, they've also, uh, they're in the crosshairs too because they're contributing uh, to what has caused all of this. But ultimately, it's back on jaw, and he's got to know that. And the people around him are chirping that it's not on him because he's, he's funding the party. Yeah, right? he's, it's, I mean, they the, helped the him get there. The people around and, him are a big part of the problem. Yeah, and in, it's just very unfortunate. How, how things are turning out. And here's hoping that everything stays quiet. That's what's best in his interest now is just lay low until December and come back and be ready to play and be about ball and not about whatever the social media. Uh, it's a character. I, I, we never heard about this with he, when, when he was at Murray State in college. This was not the John Morant that... Chad and I would follow and watch come through Nashville and play in the OVC. It's a very different storyline now and a script. Yeah, he's listening to a lot of his favorite rap music, and he feels like he's a character in a rap music video, and it's not really who he is. And that's the way he's behaving in his life. It's like he's constantly in a rap video. And that's what people around him have said, that he's way too caught up in all of that, and it's become a big problem. Chad, um... I love Tom Cruise, but I'm not about to do some of those stunts he does in Mission Impossible. So there's a difference between you know reality and yeah. But if you did fiction, but if you did and you did it on your own terms and you didn't flaunt it the way the NBA policy reads, no one would care. It's the fact that he's doing it. it, it again, players are saying like, "Hey, man, just everybody's got guns. We just, just don't, don't show them off." And that, that's what this comes down to. And it, you're right; it goes back to just stupid or not. And the comments combined with the actions lead you to that conclusion. Chad, uh, will we see a conclusion in free agency of the duo of Dalvin Cook and DeAndre Hopkins? Dalvin Cook uh, recently put out that, that something epic was coming in free agency. Meanwhile, DeAndre Hopkins has met with the Titans and the Patriots, and through his agent, they're sitting back and they're going to survey things and see what happens across the league and with the offers that the two teams have made reportedly. I, there's not many teams that have the salary cap space for one of these guys alone, let alone two. But, but there are franchises that could make room and have enough room to where it's, it's plausible. One of them's New England. They have need at running back. They do have Ramondre Stevenson. But we know they've shown interest in DeAndre Hopkins. They have 13 to $14 million in salary cap space. Could we see the duo of Cook and Hopkins in New England? That's number one. The Chicago Bears still have the most salary cap space in the NFL. 
And I think if you're putting things around Justin Fields, that makes sense. Maybe doesn't make sense just based on the location and where the team is currently if you want to win a Super Bowl now for either of these guys. But again, if they're about the money and who has the space, Patriots, Bears, and for whatever reason, the Dolphins continue to be mentioned in this. I understand that Cook wants to be in Miami because that's where he's from. I don't know why the Dolphins would feel the need to bring in Hopkins when they already have Hill and Waddle. Uh, and they've even upgraded some of the backup spots, the reserve three, four, five spots at wide receiver this offseason too. And I continue to think the Cleveland Browns would still be in the mix potentially for, for Hopkins given the fact that Watson had such a good rapport with him. Those are the teams that come up, but it's, again, you have to make a, a lot of moves in your own mind to make it even... It's one of those video game trades, and it would be very hard to pull off uh, just by releasing players that you've signed and what it would count against the cap if you made those moves. The, not many teams have the space for these guys. No, and that, that's... What is the best team? Because... For this to make full impact and the biggest impact, it needs to happen for a team that's a contender. So what's the best possible team that could maneuver their salary cap in a way to sign DeAndre Hopkins for probably not what he's wanting right now, but maybe upwards close to that and just a little bit below and signing Dalvin Cook to what he wants? Who could even make that happen? Hutton, you mentioned New England, maybe Cleveland. I would put Cleveland at the top of the list of good teams with a good roster, if they could make that happen, the well, Jets that could have, have space, a huge impact. But they don't have a need. Like it, again, it's it's Super Bowl contenders. You can find them, but you have answers at wide receiver and at at running back in, in New York right now with the Jets. The Colts have space, but they never make veteran moves like this. And then no one's mentioning Indy. And beyond that, Chad, it's I mean, it is. It's not great other than Cleveland as far as cap space is concerned. It's Cleveland, New England, and they don't have a ton of it, and they're middle of the pack in terms of money available. It's just hard to find the, the perfect team that's good enough to win it and that can maneuver the cap in order to make it happen. And Ace on the YouTube chat says, plenty of teams have come out of nowhere to win the Super Bowl. Yeah, that's happened. And if you added those two guys to an offense – Maybe they make a team a Super Bowl contender that we're not thinking about right now. That's certainly possible. I just have a hard time finding the right fits mixed with the right space. Yep. Also mixed with, oh, this team's willing to do this, this, and this in order to make it work, which would be releasing someone else, starting over somewhere, maybe at a position where they don't need to. There's just a lot of, a lot of variables to find both these guys in the same spot. Mike Loxley's the head coach at Maryland, and they've opened up a new practice facility. It looks great with the renderings, and uh, it, he's doing an interview with The Athletic. And, I mean, I, I take it as, hey, you've got a new facility. How is this helping you? I don't know the direct question there. But the answer is an eyebrow raise because Loxley just straight up says uh, to The Athletic, hey, um, yeah, it's a great facility. I wish... I wish it was going to be what we thought it was going to be in terms of recruiting. The quote is, unfortunately, we moved in at a time when facilities have been de-emphasized in a recruit's mind because they get dressed in a trash can for $25,000. So it, he says, hey, the sales pitch, the relationships that we can build from anything in regards to the behind-the-scenes standpoint of what we preach and what we're about, that's by the wayside now. 
based on this new era of name image likeness and the funds that the players are looking for versus the amenities on campus that the the past days it was just three years ago uh, that you know the guys that they graduated with in high school what they were looking for it's just a it's a different mindset and this is coming from a power five head coach that has been there and done that at some of the top universities including Alabama now he's at Maryland and he's saying yeah what we have doesn't matter it just comes down to collectives comes down to NIL and Chad we're going to continue to hear a lot about this especially from coaches that don't have the collective backing because even if you're trying to get it going now I think the guys know they're so far behind they'll never catch up with who started it in time well key to one thing he said in that quote the big dogs will always have both elite facilities and elite NIL fundage to give to players. And that's the scary part for everyone else. Yeah. But Saban's been very outspoken about it too. And he's the lead dog in many cases. Coming up, Michael McHenry joins us. The Pirates bus driver pulled over for DUI as he was taking the team from Chicago to Milwaukee. That's next. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow rolls on across the Outkick Network, 6th and Peabody, our location. Each week, we talk Major League Baseball, either with Kurt Schilling or our next guest, good friend, the Fort. Michael McHenry joins us. Mike, good to see you, man. Hope things are well. They're good, guys. Good to see you guys. You guys are looking spiffy as always. Love the hat. Love the hat there. Uh, uh, Stop it. Michael is uh, with with, uh, the Pirates uh, broadcasting (laughs) team. Also, a Major League Baseball analyst and does great work for us, contributing here weekly. Uh, off the off the diamond, Pirates are going from Chicago, uh, going to Milwaukee, Yikes. and uh, what is this like an hour and a half bus ride? Police escort the whole way, uh, multiple buses, and one of these drivers uh, is pulled over because the, the the police are saying, "Man, this 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 guy's being erratic with the team bus, one of the team buses," and they. They thought it was like a medical incident at first, like the guy was having a stroke or a heart attack or something. Turns out he cited for DUI. Craziness. It's absolutely insane. And that wasn't even the like only issue they had on this road trip. They also had a shooting outside the Fister in Milwaukee. So they had a very interesting road trip. They lost six, and they also had a DUI incident. And, you know, yesterday, Davey Earl's producer asked me, he's like, did you ever deal with anything like that? And I did, but I was in the Dominican Republic where I believe you have to drink to drive on the streets <laughs> in Dominican Republic. These guys, literally, the entire time I was down there, eight weeks, I had a driver. I got really close to him every day. He'd hold up his coffee cup and say, Brugal, Brugal. I'm like, what does Brugal mean? Finally, I see an ad, and I'm like, this dude's been drinking rum every day. What is going on? Get so, lubed up yeah. to drive those Dominican streets. Absolutely. He drove them very well. He was slicked up, and he made sure he was slicked up on the road, too. Woo. Is that the Haunted Hotel? In, in Milwaukee, that Mookie Betts refuses to sleep in? 
Yeah, it's just one side of it. It's the older side, the newer side. You don't really have a problem. We had A.J. Burnett, who always wanted to stay on the older side to see if he could maybe see some spirits. For me, I just stay on the newer side and not really test the waters. Did he ever say he saw any? You know, there's a lot of rumors, a lot of stories, TVs turning on, lights turning on, doors shutting, but you never know unless you're in that room and you see it. So I haven't had any first-hand experience, so I don't want to speak on it. Michael McHenry with us, the Fort, uh, Major League Baseball analyst on Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow. Joey Votto uh, it, it returns from, from the shoulder injury. He's 39 years old. He's been with the Reds the entire career. Uh, give us your take on Votto and what he means to the franchise and the fact that the Reds are, are winning all of a sudden. Uh, they're, they've got a little momentum. First off, if you have not seen what he did on social media, it was outstanding. He had a cowboy tie on. He had the hat on. He came in dragging his bat, walks up. It said, I am back, and he signed it. Absolutely <laughs> outstanding. I think he brings a lot, not just to the city, but really to that clubhouse of young players, a lot of exciting young players. We were talking a lot about O'Neill Cruz last year on this show. They have a they have a Cruz as well that's really exciting, one of the best young players in all of baseball. So this team has really taken off. I feel like they took a huge leap forward with some of the young guys. And the coolest part for me is, and I haven't clarified if this is 100% true, but I heard rumors that Votto said, hey, man, I'm not ready. He took four steps back and then made sure to get back. There That's it is awesome. right there. That's absolutely beautiful. He came in, blew a bubble, and said, I am back. And when you can bring in a guy that's been around as long as he is, he's probably going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. And he comes in with a young team and just energizes them immediately with a home run, a couple RBIs last night. It's remarkable what that can do to a clubhouse that's already winning. How difficult is it, Michael? Yeah, I mean, it's difficult. It's rare. Yeah, especially in today's age, for a player to just stay all the way through one franchise for a career. Uh, of, of course, the Hall of Famers are doing it. Many believe Votto is. Um, but especially with the Reds, as bad as they've been and the fact they sell at the trade deadline, they get rid of players all the time. And the fact that Votto has been the mainstay. As cheap as they've been, too, to be able to lock him yeah. in for as long as they have. Well, I think that's the cool part. I mean, baseball is trending in a direction where there's going to be a lot of money across the board, even for these lower market teams. I mean, the Pirates in general are, are building something outside their stadium, just like the Atlanta Braves have, that's going to draw close to $100 million a year on estimation. So these teams are going to have money to spend. And when you think about the Reds, what they did with Vado, they picked the human being. And that's what you have to do when you're a small market team. You have to pick the person first. Maybe it's not just what he does on the field, but it's what he can do on social media. It's what he can do last year on the broadcast booth in Joey Votto. I mean, we saw it with Andrew McCutcheon in Pittsburgh. When he came back, we led all of Twitter and all of Facebook and all impressions during the offseason. That's remarkable when you think about the New York Yankees, the Dodgers, these huge market teams. We out-impressioned them when it came to our fan base and what we did this offseason. So if you sign the right human being as a small market team, whether he's on the field, off the field, his impact is always felt. Yeah, but he uh, I know they chose him. He also he also chose them, which is I mean, they're not winning a whole lot through his 16-year career, right? Um mm -hmm. it's also tough to stick with a franchise like that that's that cheap but paying you. Yeah, it, it is, but when you find a place that's home, you know, we just saw Brian Reynolds in Pittsburgh sign here. A lot of people thought, man, this guy's gonna be a Yankee, he's gonna be in Boston. And the reality of it is, if you understand who he is and who Votto is. They don't want to deal with the big market. They don't want to deal with that type of pressure. They want to go somewhere where they belong. They feel like they fit in, not just with the team and the clubhouse, but in the city. And that's exactly what happened with Votto. And he's able to be himself. And what I love about him is he just puts it out there. You know, he used to be a guy that was more of a space cadet. 
Now he's actually showing his personality, which I really love because this guy is absolutely hysterical. And if you don't follow him, you should, because he is absolutely a blast on social media. Luis Arise is looking like a modern day Tony <laughs> Gwynn right now, the way he's hitting. Went back over 400 with a batting average last night. And he's leading this Marlins team that's one of the bigger surprises in baseball right now, Michael. When you look at what he's done mixed with these Marlins, is this a team that's for real and could continue to challenge throughout the entire season? Absolutely. I mean, I, I talked to my buddies on the Braves last year at dinner, and they said the Marlins are the scariest team. If they figure out how to hit, we we have a lot of trouble on our hands, and that's exactly what's happening. They got some guys that can hit. You have Solar that's healthy. I think he's second or third in the National League in home runs. So you balance out a lineup. You have a lot of guys that take good at bats. Now you put some power in the middle, and you put a guy – that seems to have a knack not only for hitting 400, which is just absolutely absurd in today's game because it's not in today's cards. I mean, you think about what hitters are doing. We're seeing low batting average, high strikeouts, and true outcomes constantly. So we're either seeing a hit, strikeout, or walk, period. We're not seeing you know guys moving guys over. We're not seeing bunts. We're not seeing stringed hits together. We're really just seeing slugging. Everybody's chasing OPS. This guy, he's chasing base hits, good quality of bats, and he has a knack for letting the ball just get extremely deep, so he's very hard to pitch to. And the fact he has five three-hit games in this month, I'm going to put that in perspective. We just played a three-game series in Milwaukee. We got eight total hits in three games. He's gotten five in three games this series, mm. 15 in three games. Unreal. Also unreal, the Braves now 20 games over 500. <laughs> and what's scary is I don't think their starting pitching has been up to what they can be as the season goes on. And now Spencer Strider, who looked like a Cy Young candidate, has struggled a little bit in his last few outings. Just how good can this team be if they get some guys healthy and they start pitching the way they're capable of pitching to go along with that lineup? I mean, the fact that they're playing their, their word mediocre baseball and they're still winning says all you need to. I mean, Strider's going to hit some um, road bumps. Charlie Morton's pitching well, but he's going to hit some road bumps. All these guys can hit road bumps because they have such a balanced team and they have such a team. The fact that they signed all these guys, they feel like they're locked in, they're a family, they're picking each other up. And that's what it takes. And if they get hot at the right time, they're going to win the World Series, no doubt in my mind, because they also have money to spend because all the money they're generating, because winning brings in more money than anything else. And they've shown that. They keep signing guys, and they're going to continue to do the same. And they keep raising that payroll because they're winning. Culberson, uh, he was designated for assignment on Father's Day. His dad was scheduled to throw out the first pitch. Unfortunate timing, mm -hmm. but I, I said, uh, I said yesterday. Uh, it, to me, this is just the uh, another indication that the front office isn't always paying attention to what's going on with social media, and you know, it's just a it's a game on Sunday where they need a catcher. Uh, to be called up, a, a man by the name of Chadwick Trump. Trump. Chadwick, instead of Chad. Chadwick Trump uh, to uh, to catch because of an injury. And uh, meanwhile, Culberson's back down uh, on uh, assignment on a very unfortunate timing for uh, the Father's Day first pitch. I mean, first off, is that a Civil War name? Was he a general? <laughs> oh. I mean... Chadwick Crump leading the Trump. North. Yeah, 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 we need like a, a Chadwick Nathaniel Trump. I yeah, believe. I, I wish I had a Wick added to my name also instead of just being I, Chad. I, I do too, or or maybe like a third or. Although fourth, Chadwick you know. Withrow is a mouthful when you go Chadwick Withrow in a row. That's that's not as good as Chadwick. <laughs> it's Trump. regal though. It I, is regal. I, I, I'd that, rather that is have regal. Chadwick Trump, but that's just me. I think Chadwick Withrow could get elected. 
I'm not sure about Chad. <laughs> I bet he could. I bet he could. <laughs> He'd be leading the polls right now. There's no doubt in my mind. The, but going going back to that, Charlie Culberson, he's a great human being. He's a fan favorite. I think they swung and missed on this one. I, I think if you just put him on the taxi squad, you do something. I'm not exactly sure how those transactions would work perfectly, but you got to do something to where you protect that person. I mean, that that is a guy. That is a human being that the fans absolutely adore, and you have to make sure like you understand what's going on. I feel like a lot of times baseball and, and ownership and front offices lose feel. Like last night, middle of the ninth inning, we are playing awful. The downtown Pittsburgh starts their June T celebration right in the middle of the ninth inning. I'm like, they couldn't coordinate this? You have 23,000 people in a stadium that's going to walk out and could walk right over that fireworks and just enjoy something and celebrate something that's you know going on in this world. But no, we, we, we do it right in the middle of the ninth inning. Just no feel, no communication. I think that's the biggest problem in today's society and in sports. Just communicate. Figure out the best solution to this problem you have right in front of you. I'm not even sure if he was going to play. He had he had not made an appearance uh, since he was called up May 19th. Um, so I I don't know if he was scheduled to play uh, on the infield Sunday or not. Uh, but what I do know, Chad pointed this out. They were just looking for a father that was in the Atlanta area. Yeah, he's from the Atlanta area. Michael Harris is from DeKalb County. Uh, Matt Olson's from the Atlanta area. Maybe his dad's still close by, too. So I think they're just going down the list of, okay, now who can we get to give a free ticket to, a pass on the field to drive down here and throw out the first pitch? And they set it on Michael Harris. So we, we saw the Rangers uh, uni there. How about the Texas Rangers, Michael, saying, we're not going to have a pride night and we're just going to, we're just going to focus on baseball because that's what our organization is about. Yeah, I mean, it's sports. Focus on the sport at hand. Don't worry about everything else, extracurricular activities. Everything that's gone on this year, there's just too much political stuff, too much religion, too much everything. And I don't want to know about someone's you know, sexual person. I don't, I don't want to know anything about it. I just want to go to a baseball game and play baseball. You know, I'll love people for who they are when I meet them, but to celebrate, you know, something that not everyone believes in has nothing to do with our country. We're just celebrating something that, you know, it's almost been forced upon over the last couple of years. It's not something that we should worry about. It's something that we should focus on loving each other, loving the individual next to us, no matter what they believe, what, whatever religion they are, whatever sexuality they are, whatever they want to identify as it doesn't matter. Just love them. But when we go to a baseball game, you shouldn't have to worry about, you know, the political side of anything. You should just be able to show up, enjoy a baseball game, grab a hot dog, and have a blast. Well, and also, you know, not honoring something doesn't equate to hating it. Exactly. We've got this false equivalency. That I saw the article from, I think, someone with The Athletic that, well, you know, of course, the, uh, the team in Texas, the Rangers did this because, you know, they, they hate everyone that's not like them. And I'm thinking, no, because you choose not to honor someone's sexual orientation – uh, whether, whether gay, straight, whatever, doesn't mean that you hate it and you're saying you're not welcome at the ballpark, but we've twisted it into honor this or you're on the other side of this or you're on the other side of that where it could just be indifference, which is also fine. Or it could just be humanness, and that's fine. Like, hey, we're going to celebrate the human today. Come to the ballpark, period. Like, you don't have to throw just all this stuff constantly at it. And that's, that's the problem. They're always trying to find something to whether it's bringing money, bringing revenue, but now it's this thing is they're trying to be politically correct. And when you're trying to be politically correct, you don't stand on some kind of standard or value. You're always going to fall into a pit. 
Texas is standing on something. Other teams have stood on something right, wrong, or indifferent. Stand on it. Don't change your mind. Don't don't do anything different. LA, how they took something back, went forward, went back. When you're doing that, you show that you have no beliefs. And I think that's a, a, a terrible thing for kids to learn, terrible thing for our society. Stay on what you believe on. If you want to debate it, debate it, talk about it, talk about it. But at the end of the day, stand on it and move forward. But to say that because Texas isn't doing something, you know, they have this strong belief. Well, go talk to the people that set it up. Why did they not do it? Maybe have a conversation. God forbid that. Michael McKendry, the Fort Major League Baseball analyst. Catch him on the Pirates broadcast uh, there for uh, the uh, the Pittsburgh area. And also we catch him on MLB TV and stuff like that, too. Uh Mike, always good to see you, man. And uh, keep up the great work. We love when you're on. I appreciate it, guys. Thank you. God bless. Yep, same to you. Uh, the Fort McHenry is where you can find him on social. And ultimately, look, uh, I, I come down on it this way. Uh, why do they put up with the headache, the teams across sports? Because it's a money grab. They're selling special uniforms. Instead of you, you haven't bought the – you've already have, have your Dodgers uniform. Now you can get another group that's going to have the Pride Night uniform or the military – throwbacks yes they do that for profit too same goes for any of the other throwbacks from decades ago that they bring out for that one game july 4th and more people buy it and if not they they don't sell it then they're sitting on merch they haven't used more headlines when we return on hot mic with threats to our nation waiting around every corner adaptability is more important than ever When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mike Gunzelman, Gun Show, coming in studio with us in about 40 minutes or so. Looking forward to that. Joining us here at 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Chris Marlowe is the play-by-play voice of the Denver Nuggets. He's coming up in hour number three. Hope everyone's having a great Tuesday. Flying by in this afternoon. We'll get you uh, to the home stretch quicker with Hot Mike. We, it's our goal to get you to the end of the week yep. as fast as humanly possible. Eastern, as fast as humanly possible. It's also our personal goal to get us through the week as fast as possible. Correct. So in doing so, we hope to get you through the week as fast as possible. We'll That's just, our solemn promise to you. Discuss uh, John Calipari and uh, the La Familia Club in, in just a moment. What a great name. I love it. I do love the, the name. I, well, you know what? Let's get to it. So, <laughs> Kentucky. I mean, just the the it, he's got the Italian like heritage. He does. He looks like a member of the but mafia, and then this, to go with La Familia as the collective is a stroke of brilliance. So he's got the the family of of cats, the Wildcats. So he has been staunchly against having a collective, the word, the name collective. So instead of saying the word, they're calling it a club. But the collective. Technically, anyone can donate to a collective. This La Familia Club, according to Coach Cal, is going to be funded by only people that he knows. And, and it's, I mean, it, the assumption is he's going to go to former Kentucky players in the NBA that are going to help fund name, image, likeness, uh, availability, and an opportunity 
for Kentucky more than what they were already doing. Um, this is on the heels of losing out to Hunter Dickinson, who chose Kansas to transfer from Michigan to Kansas and didn't even consider whatever Kentucky was offering compared to where the Jayhawks were on the pay scale. I don't know how... I don't look at it any other way than transfer portal and who they locked in on and who they didn't get and other programs that are on the same plane with them landed big time names even those like Dickinson who said yeah I'm I'm going to go play at Kansas even though this may ruin my my legacy at Michigan but it's worth it based on what I'm getting paid <laughs> and he chose that instead of just declaring early for the NBA that's the other thing um this Cal will do this the right way for the program. This will end up working. I don't know why he hasn't already done this, though. I don't know why he had to reform or reshape what was going on. Based on, I mean, the perception of him has already been that he's been paying guys, right? That, that was always like, oh, yeah, of course, he's, he's paying guys to go to Kentucky. He's paying guys to go to Memphis. He's paying guys, period, to win. Whatever. I mean, the guy, the guy is, is at a marquee job in college basketball. And I don't know what took so long, Jack, for the La Familia Club. Kentucky's a weird place when it comes to NIL. Because you had Mark Stoops. Bar yeah. Barnhart's against it. They're AD. Mark Stoops came out and said, we're not going to compete in the SEC because everyone else is spending more than us. We need people to step up and understand that this NIL deal is real. And if we're going to get players and continue to have some success in football, we're going to need to step it up. We're going to need to ante up and pay more money to get guys. And then you have Calipari, who's been very slow to all of this. I don't understand it either, Hutton. I don't know how they haven't had this put in place before. But now what he's done is sort of created this Commonwealth Illuminati of high-dollar people and donors to Kentucky basketball that are in a club that will help facilitate the top guys they want with their own little high-end, you can call it whatever you want, it's a high-end collective yeah. that he's formed. It's if he doesn't like collective. the word, then great, but it's a collective. And now they're going to be right back where they were before, which was getting four or five NBA players a year in yeah. every recruiting class. And they did that this year. They've got one of the best recruiting classes in the country coming in. They struck out on, on transfers. But, but I think that's the point, though. But As guys develop and you can improve and get veteran leadership and not the young guys. Yeah. You know, he can't, that's what he missed out on in this go-around. And I think this is a direct result of missing out on guys like Dickinson, who could be a game-changer. And this could be an old dog's new tricks type thing that made him take so long on it. He could have said, hey, I've recruited at the highest level everywhere I've been going back to UMass, so it's not going to be any different yeah. now. And then in the changing landscape, yeah. his feet got caught up a bit in the tide, and he got knocked off balance and didn't realize it was going to be this different. And maybe, now he's decided to join the party. Maybe it's what you alluded to, though. Maybe the university and the, the athletic department is just against the whole collective mindset. But Kentucky basketball is on a way different plane than the other uh, sports, the, big, the major ones. I mean, what is uh, football what are they, should look across the SEC landscape and know they're not keeping it, up with Bama. It's also just totally hilarious that Kentucky now is like the moral arbiter of college basketball. Like they, they have a problem with uh, NIL. But they were bickering last 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 year at this time over uh, the two coaches over. Uh, oh, I know. I'm uh, saying that the school does, but like the, the coaches for a do. Practice facility. 
Yeah, but they're they're talking about facilities. Was I know what they I, got into it over, and that's where Calipari made the remark about being a basketball school. Then Mark Stoops got all pissed off, and even though it is a basketball school, and then they started going back and forth. But if there's any reluctance of any program to say to not acknowledge the reality that NIL is here to stay, and if you want to be relevant and get some of the best players in America, you're going to have to embrace NIL. I just think it's hilarious that Kentucky of all programs that have had their fair share of issues in the past are the ones that are like, no, 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 no. This whole money thing, guys, we can't do this. You know, we won an NCAA championship with five, well, four starting freshmen that were all NBA lottery picks and one veteran guy. Uh, We didn't pay them a dime, though. I swear, they didn't get anything from any booster anywhere else. And no, 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 we're just very uncomfortable with this whole NIL thing. Well, I think Uh, Kentucky basketball of all people to be the poster boy of any resistance to that is just hilarious to but me. But I, I think they they almost ha- not I don't think they wanted to though. I don't get the sense that the program wanted to as much as they were told to or forced to or had to fall within the guidelines of whatever the framework that calling it the club and not the collective, while Calipari can say it's the La Familia Club and we're gonna do this with guys I know, and I he will. Um do, do, do I really think he w- doesn't want to accept funds from Kentucky fans that he doesn't know that will help build a collective and fund the program? No, I don't think he would like to shun that. Uh, they can all fund the football program. You know, those guys, those are football but, guys. The common, the common mean, fan, Hutton, will donate to the football pool. I just, and then his big money millionaire, billionaire guys will all donate to basketball. I'm fascinated by it because this it's almost a feels like system a, now. It feels like a consolation prize by calling it a club and not a collective. Uh, when how this is going to be funded is through guys like it, the currently in the NBA have already uh, finished their careers or big time donors that just want to give money to the basketball program. But hasn't that, I mean, again, like that could go on at any point, any time. I don't, I don't understand why we're doing this now in 2023 in Lexington and not 2021. It's also, I mean, look, all of the uh, comparisons, the naming of it, the name Calipari, La Familia. I mean, it feels like a Scorsese mob movie. Like the whole thing sounds like organized crime, which collectives, you know, maybe kind of are in a way, in their own way. It's like a legal, legal crime family, mafia type stuff. Yeah, so, yeah, basically they're funding jobs and someone's getting paid off the top or something. It There's just, some kickback It somewhere. sounds like the... <laughs> jobs being Calipari the guys that come in just and decided, play. you know what? Let's just let the mob handle this. I've got ties. I'm connected. Well, but also by naming it La Familia Club, it, it, he can take that wherever he goes. Yeah. You know, the collective would stay at Kentucky. So he's also separated himself and insulated this club with all of his former players regardless of where he's coaching. He can turn to the players he's coached, not the university that he's coaching for. Calipari's always younger than I expect. I want to say he's 64 now, maybe, 63, 64. Hey, he looks younger than that to me. Yeah. he. I would have guessed 60. He's got some back issues that makes him move a little <laughs> older than he is. Like, I've noticed that at times, where he doesn't move around he's that well. He's not aging well. But, no, he's aging fine. I'm just saying he moves like a man You're older than 63. You're saying when he goes downhill, it's going to go fast. I'm saying he moves like a guy 75, but he looks like a guy 55, <laughs> right? But he probably feels 80. Yeah, like he's I, I, it's almost like he has to get picked up from a seat at times. His back is so bad at times. He's had big issues with that. But good for them. I, this is, hey, better late than never if you're Kentucky. So there is a 
there's an investment firm. I'm fascinated by this model. There are over 500 professional athletes currently that have signed contracts with uh, uh, the company called Big League Advantage, BLA is how it's referred to. Fernando Tatis Jr., for instance, has signed with them. He may end up owing them more than what is reported right now, which is $27 million. It, it's a crazy setup where the firm pays players in advance and then they own rights to portions of your contract moving forward based on the investment that they're making in said player. Ellie De La Cruz uh, is potentially going to have to pay millions, for instance, in Major League Baseball. This was founded in 2016 by a former minor league baseball player. Uh, they have 40 employees, and they use analytics, and uh, they have pro proprietary technology to go and find these players and invest in wherever the, the career trajectory is pointing. So they raised $26 million for their first fund, and then they invested that $26 million in 77 players over that first year. So the typical athlete may receive $350,000 in cash up front. And then by accepting the 350K now, you also sign that BLA has the rights to 7 or 8% of all future earnings, which is crazy to think about. But also the, the hit rate on who's going to make it big and who's not, they scatter the money out. And then when they hit big, you owe a lot of money. This is now going into name image likeness. And this is where I, I picked up on this this could grow into something much larger than even, oh, this baseball player from you know the Dominican Republic or anywhere is signing up for this. Nolan Smith, linebacker, now for the Philadelphia Eagles, linebacker for the Georgia Bulldogs, he signed a deal with BLA last year. He received an upfront cash payment in exchange for one social media post per month. And then he made two player appearances and then he did some uh, photo shoots or something. So based on his rookie contract, he will end up paying BLA between $120,000 or up to $1.2 million, which is 10% of his rookie contract, before he signs deal number two. Scott Boris is upset with this model. Uh, there are others that are looking at it going, man, this doesn't seem right or fair or whatever. But when a player in college football, in this instance, is getting... 350k maybe more up front in cash and they sign this this company now owns the contracts for the nfl and anything else they're doing uh for uh, their career for their name image likeness moving forward the crazy model but it's working in a well, big way we're going from one mafia like story to another one i mean this is loan sharking by a different name it's predatory lending is what it is it's high-end it predatory lending it's going after some of the most poor prospects in the world from these third world countries, these Latin American countries, giving them an upfront payment where they've never seen money before, not understanding how much they're eventually going to make. And they're signing away a big chunk of what they're going to make in the future. And these guys can claim, Oh yeah, but you know, we are also losing money on guys. I mean, well, great. And they, they do. They also say they've signed over a hundred American players. Yeah. Too. But they're doing it because it's profitable. Oh, for in them. a big way. And so it's profitable it's, for the players up front, yeah. too. It's, it's bad business by the young athletes that are doing it, especially the ones that are hitting it huge. Now, for other ones that don't end up making it, well, you just got a payday for not a lot, 
Well, so I guess you gain the system that way. But what they're doing has been going on in the individual sports for a long time. Oh, you know, of course. Racing, for instance, this happens a lot. Golf. Uh, there are other, you know, entertainment funded firms. singers, bands. Yes. I mean, hey, I'll front you and manage you, but, but I, I'm going to get 12 percent of everything you make from here on out. Yeah, I, mean, and I think is, it's important to note it's happening in more sports than just baseball. It's happening now in college football, which by and large is happening in the Mid-South and the top spots for recruiting the hotbeds. It's not just happening in other countries. It's happening in our own backyard. It's Colonel Parker and Elvis, but in sports. Exactly. Exactly. And it's a free-for-all based on the rules and regulations or the lack thereof. Coming up, more recruiting news. An Ole Miss quarterback reclassified. Wait until you hear his GPA. That's next. That's next.